When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. More willpower than a barefoot woman at a shoe sale. Able to stretch a single paycheck for an entire month. Makes money concepts easier than third grade math. Introducing your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonall. Work all day, stress all night. Take your mind off your money and focus on your life. Money don't matter for the stuff it bought. It's the way you think, not what you've got, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Welcome to Unlock Your Wealth Radio. This segment is sponsored in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome, everyone. We are so glad to have you. I'm your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonhalls, and I am flanked by my producer extraordinaire, the maestro of moolah himself, Michael Terry. Hey, hey, hey. And we are going to help you get your money mind right on today's show with the following great features. So first off, we have a really cool securities related and not in the um, personal protection realm, but in the investment Investment realm, realm. moolah word of the day, as well as a killer guest, a returning guest, no less, Christopher Dukes, who's also been on this show. And we're going to talk about marriage and your money. Nice. And specifically, we'll address relationships. And maybe talk about some do's and don'ts when it comes to marriage and money. Yeah. Plenty (laughs) of them. Exactly. Because the number one cause for divorce is what? Is money. And so we don't want that to be a problem. Plus, what is this week's key, my friend? Become a voracious reader. Yes, we are at the final key in our Keys to Riches financial philosophy, and which means that we are wrapping up a season Another today. one, yep. It's unbelievable. We're, we're all done. So for those of you who are looking forward to the key, well, it still exists, but in a way better format. Why? Because it's its own show now. Well, it's called the Keys to yes. Riches show. And the Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, can be found on our Libsyn channel, on our iTunes channel, but also at its very own website, keystoriches.com. And so stop over there so you can learn all about today's key, which is to become a voracious reader. And it's a critical key. And uh, I'll share with you some of my um, uh, wisdom and all of the brain research that kind of supports why reading is so critical to your personal, professional, and most importantly, financial success. Yeah. Yes, so that'll be great. Uh, but first, how about our moolah word of the day? Moolah word. So today's moolah word has to do with securities. And the word is unlisted. Oh. Like your phone number? Unlisted. Kind of, sort of. Like you have one? I've never heard this word used in finance. Uh, well, it's, you're, you're going to when you get our friends and family offering. <laughs> 
because you have you will have the potential to be unlisted. an owner of this unlisted security. So it, an unlisted security is a security which is not traded on an exchange. Um, and uh, so it is usually due to an inability to meet listing requirements mm. um, or um, it hasn't gone, quote, public yet. So things can be delisted depending on what's going on with a company and the value of the shares, yada, yada. But for such securities, broker dealers negotiate directly with one another over computer networks and by phone. And their activities are monitored. They're still monitored by the NASD, which is the National Association of Security Dealers, securities, if I enunciate properly, dealers. Yeah. Uh, OTC stocks or over-the-counter stocks are usually very risky since they are the stocks that are not considered large or stable enough to trade on a major exchange. Um, so this can be new stocks in addition you know, to existing stocks that have gone public. They also tend to trade infrequently, making the bid-ask spread Larger. Also, research about these stocks is more difficult to obtain. Hmm. So, so where where would you research them? On the internet. Yeah. Um, so, and you can always go. Um, any stock that's that's uh, publicly traded uh, has to file. Um, and so you can go to the SEC to read up on the specific companies and look up all of their financials because they have to do quarterlies. And so you can review their quarterly mm, financial okay. statements. Plus, you'll also see information about them in the press. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so these are really good. So, let's say you know, um, I'm trying to think of a an e- there's no real easy example um, other than the ones. But let's say you know your company had to go into like a bankruptcy reorganization, and you had people that held a big short position, and it drove the price of your securities down um, so that either there wasn't a lot of trading volume or the price of it um, was so cheap that it couldn't hold it onto one of the other exchanges. And so it kind of falls off. But that doesn't mean that the company is bad or worthless. It just means that there's not a whole lot of activity in it. And so if they're reorganizing, for example, let's say they're changing out their management, they're changing out who knows what, whatever, they're fixing whatever the problems are, um, they can do this. And so you could find potentially good buys in the -the over-the-counter markets if the fundamentals are solid and the company just had a hiccup due to something. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad company. Is it riskier? Is it a little bit more speculative? Perhaps, because what if they can't overcome their challenges? But the opportunity or the upside is also pretty huge too, if they can recover. It's not what you want your big financial game plan is, but it's something that you could dabble in with some recreational investment yeah. funds. Yeah. So we can think of it that way. I am so excited about this week's guest because he is a returning guest. So Christopher Dukes is going to be joining us today. And as a returning guest, we had an amazing uh, conversation the last time he was here. And we're going to continue talking about money and relationships, because I mentioned at the beginning of this show how divorce um, is the number. The leading cause of divorce is Money, And I would say I would go one step further and I would say that the inability to communicate or negotiate or agree on money tactics would probably be it. And we can talk with our guests on that. But um, I think that uh, some of the things that keep us from being wealthy are pre-programming, as we always talk about here. And uh, so what our mindsets were established as young kids with money and then 
being in our financial habits that are ingrained for so many years that uh, that we can't we can't go from being single to being married successfully. Yeah. You know, so yeah. there's a bridge there that we're having trouble crossing. And yeah. so our returning guest, Christopher Dukes, is going to be joining us and he's going to help us cross that bridge, if you will. So uh, Christopher Dukes, for those of you who are just experiencing him for the first time, is the president and owner of Dukes Wealth Management Incorporated. It is a DBA Dukes financial and insurance services and uh, he is a broker he's licensed in california and several other states so you need to check to see if he's available to do business in your state uh, but he's all over the place he's been conducting financial seminars and giving complimentary consultations for the last eight years so even if you don't live in a state you could still pick his brain for free isn't that cool so i think that that's awesome so help me welcome uh christopher dukes to the show christopher thanks so much for being a part of unlock your wealth radio yet again Hey, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. So as I'm thinking about our last interview and kind of one of the things that I don't think it's spoken about enough when we talk about money management, especially familial management, when we deal with couples, is how divergent individuals in a relationship can be when it comes to money management. How important is that, would you say? Uh, really, really important. Uh, you know, it's uh, for years, and you know, I've, I've been uh, doing what I do since uh, since 2003. It's so about 13 years now, and it didn't take me long to uh, to realize that you know the, the financial health and, and emotional health of, of couples and, and clients are are, uh, are absolutely 100% linked. Um, and and you know what I've said to clients over the years is there are certain things that you you need to do certain concepts and certain tenets that you need to set up uh, you know financially between the two of you to make sure that emotionally you know you keep your sanity and and, uh, and most importantly your marriage intact. Yeah, and then you know, and the number one reason for divorce is finances. So I think that it's a critical piece of the puzzle. So you know, is it possible to have a saver and a spender live happily ever after? Oh, <laughs> that's a uh, that's a good question. Uh, the answer is possibly. Um, you know, it, it's really about you know the communication. You know, when when I've got a couple that's uh, you know one's a saver, one's a spender, the, the first thing I'll tell them is, look, you, you've got to find a place to, to talk about money. Um, you just have to. You almost have to schedule it. Uh, you know, where you'd kind of say, hey, you know, tonight after the kids are in bed or after dinner, we're going to talk about, you know, some, some, some money matters. I mean, just like you'd schedule, you know, uh, a date or you'd schedule you know, something to that effect. Um, and a lot of couples I've consulted, you know, basically kind of say, look, um, we want to set a limit. We want to set a limit that uh, is, is is what we you know sort of utilize as, as the limit that we talk about. So, for example, if it's under you know two hundred fifty dollars, just for example, you know maybe that doesn't warrant a conversation. But if it's two hundred fifty dollars or over for my spender, then uh, the spender <laughs> needs to talk to the saver and say, 
say, hey, you know, we have, uh, we've got a, you know, a, a pretty big, um, you know, uh, uh, issue coming up, and, and I want to be sure that we're both on the same page. And, you know, obviously we can think of better ways to spend our time, but, uh, you know, as you said, uh, the marriage is certainly uh, will be stronger and divorce a lot less likely uh, if we, uh, you know, just have people talk and communicate, especially when one is a saver and one is a spender. What happens when you get... Two savers together. Do they ever experience a, a, an, an enjoyable life, or, or or is it? Does the rainy day never come? I mean, I'm always curious because I don't interact with clients that way anymore. I'm more on the coaching side now, and I don't deal with the day to day investments with folks. But what happens when two savers get get together? You know, it's interesting because you know, with uh, with the investments that I handle, there's only one of two things you can do. You can either save it or spend it. You know, you can either reinvest your dividend or you can uh, can take your dividend, and, and that's that's the only only thing you can do. So when two of the people are are savers, we just kind of go, okay, you guys, you still need to experience life. You know, you still need to you know be able to uh, you know get together and say, hey, we've got all this money sitting here. Let's let's find something to do with it. What I've seen historically is that the savers marriage. Uh, is uh, remains intact more often than not because they're on the same you know sort of wavelength. Um, but it, it is like pulling teeth, you know, to, to, to coin a phrase to, to get them to spend. And you know, life is about experiences. And I try to you know, much like you coach your clients, I'll just try and guide them and say, hey, you know, you, you've got all this money sitting here for a reason. You're going to leave your kids wealthy enough. You know, let's uh, let's maybe utilize some of this and and, uh, and experience some life and. You know, a lot of the clients that are savers are older, you know, and may have gone through, you know, we're, we're sort of saw some clients that remember, you know, the Depression when they were very, very little. They remember, you know, how they had to sort of skimp and, and what things were like. And, you know, when that shapes your values as a child, uh, it, it's very hard to let go of that even in your, you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Oh, I know. It's ingratiated. My mother was born in the 30s. And let me just tell you, she's always got at least six months worth of canned goods in the house at any given time. <laughs> Yeah, we had a deep freezer, too. We had, you know, for extra, you know, stockpiled meats and all kind of frozen things, you know, because and I'm like, hey, guess what? World War Two is over <laughs> in case you didn't get the memo. Right, yeah. <laughs> Number four bit. Well, in your case in point, there that just lets you know that those you know those habits they stay with them, and uh, and I do see that quite a bit. You know, the savers are great for me as a financial advisor because their statements look wonderful. <laughs> yes, they won't funds it, under but, management. Uh, Who could know, argue that? <laughs> There you go. Uh, ultimately, we'd love people, and I, you know, I'm at a different point in my career now, and a different point in life, where we, you know, we'd certainly like people to, you know, uh, reap the, the fruits of their labor and, and, and go out and enjoy. Absolutely. You are listening to Christopher Dukes on Unlock Your Wealth Radio. This segment is sponsored in part by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown for their special offer for Unlock Your Wealth Radio listeners by visiting our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash KeepMyID and click on the link to protect your financial identity right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So what are some of the do's and don'ts when it comes to effective relationship money management? Yes. Uh, so there's a, a, a bunch of them, and these are you know, sort of do's and don'ts that we have uh, cultivated over time and just kind of seen what, you know, what clients do and, and sort of you know, what works and what doesn't work. So uh, the first one, the first, uh, the first don't, I guess, is, uh, is what I call you can't buy love. 
And uh, this came from the There's a song about that, that, isn't there? Money can't buy you love. There is. <laughs> I had to go to our resident moolah song expert here. That title has been misquoted yeah. many times. <laughs> <laughs> many, many times. It has. Well, it's, uh, the idea has been around forever, but it, it still uh, still resonates. And you know what? What we see is you know one. I, I have to use, the, of course, examples. But uh, the one uh, uh, couple I had uh, every time they get an argument, the, the husband would go out and buy you know, his wife, something, uh, you know, some bling or some sort of, uh, An apology you know, gift. Nice thing to sort of, make up. exactly. Well, it ended up having the opposite effect because now she'd go, huh? So if I get into an argument, he comes home with jewelry. <laughs> Great. I'm going to pick a fight once a week. Exactly. So, so totally backfired, you know, made the marriage more difficult. Uh, you know, and then the studies, of course, if you read, if you go online, studies suggest that couples who are better off financially, but who have a strong passion for what the money represents, uh, they actually have a bigger source of conflict. You know, if they got a lot of money, but they want, you know, one wants a new car and one wants, you know, uh, I don't know, jewelry, there's an issue. Um, you know, what we sort of encourage is you, know, you spend money more on, 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 on uh, remembrances, you know, vacations, not on stuff. But on mm-hmm. you know on on experiences and, and and ultimately from all the clients I've had in you know their sixties seventies and eighties who were saying you know hey Chris I, I wish I would have done more of this and more of that it was never a question uh, of what they they did you know they were happy about that it was all the things they didn't do you know all the experiences that they didn't you know sort of get to get to experience and so you know we, we've seen that quite a bit on, on the don't side as far as you know making sure that. You know, you, you know, use an argument as uh, as a way of uh, of getting more bling. Uh, to you just gave our marriage. audience members a whole new idea, though. <laughs> They're like, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Argue for the right? apology gift, yay! So exactly. uh, I agree with you with the whole remembrances things, you know, because I, I look back, you know, especially um, uh, in in my second marriage, my do over, if you will. <laughs> Because my first one was I was just practicing, but my second one, I'm getting it right for the most part. And I think about, you know, uh, what you're saying with regard to money, because I'm, I'm in a much better place financially in this marriage than I was in my first marriage. And I think about I don't remember the stuff that was given to me. I, I remember the stuff that we did together. And one of the things is, you know, that I personally find with material possessions is that, you know, that newness wears off, the luster is gone and you could put it on and go, yeah, but then it just, after a while that, that experience of, of receipt of said item wears off. But when I think about some of the adventures that my husband and I have been on and some of the crazy stories that have come out of those adventures, I think, Every time I tell the story to somebody who hasn't heard it and and it just the story builds and it creates momentum over time as opposed to like, you know, the glitz or sparkle of some of those other items that have lost their luster. And so, and so I, I'm excited that you're a big proponent of the experiential type of stuff when it comes to spending money. I absolutely am, and it's something that we've seen, you know, uh, just proven over and over again that, uh, you know, people come back, and, and it's like you said, they don't tell stories about the uh, the new car, you know, or the bling. They might show it off for a little bit, but it's kind of like that, uh, that Christmas toy, you know, that was really cool during Christmas, and by the 26th, 27th, the kids are over it. <laughs> well, I broke it by New Year's. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, exactly. You know, versus experiences, which, you know, you, you, you keep in pictures and in memory and, and, and in really fun stories. And, uh, you know, what you said and the example you gave is case in point. Um, I would say the other thing that I want to mention on, on the don't side would be secrets. And uh, I've got a lot of folks who've been married a couple times, and uh, almost uh, unequivocally, one of the reasons the marriage uh, didn't work the first time around was there were secrets uh, that came back uh, to haunt them. Financial and infidelity. Almost, uh, there it is. You know, don't <laughs> hide all that debt you got. It's going to come out sooner or later. Yes. You know, marriage is a contract, and uh, if you marry someone with high debts, guess what? You're liable for it, so... Got to be sure you know what you're getting into. So, uh, so that you just brought up a great point. So, let me ask this question. So, I know we're on the do don't list, but let's just say, you know, uh, without our wisdom, let's say we're back in our twenties again, and we're experiencing a very loving, caring relationship, and we're contemplating uniting for the rest of our lives. What are some of the things that we can do preemptively as we establish this relationship and explore? whether or not we want to go to that marriage point. You know, we'll talk about our sex lives and our past partners faster than we will talk about our financial endeavors. So how do we start that conversation? Yeah, well, that, that goes back to, you know, our, our, our initial point and you kind of the first thing you and I talk about, which is, you know, communication. And, you know, what I tell clients that uh, are, uh, you know, thinking about getting engaged is, uh, is to talk about it and talk about, you know, hey, we'll kind of do a, you know, a what if. So if we were together, if we, if we decided that we, you know, want to make this official, you know, what, what, what's the split? You know, who, who, which one of us is better at what? And so you, you really talk about splitting the financial responsibilities. So, you know, traditionally, you know, if we're going back to the 50s and 60s, you know, women would manage the day-to-day finances like balancing the checkbook, whereas men would deal with the investments and financial planning. Uh, I'll be the first to tell you those traditions are, you know, out the window. They no longer apply. Mm-hmm. So the best option here is really to recognize, you know, who's better <laughs> at the individual job and split up those financial paths. And you have to talk about that. You know, you have to know the value of your partner. You have to know, hey, this one, uh, you know, I've got a client whose you know, wife is an accountant. So obviously, she's very good with, with numbers. She's the, the best one to, to balance the books, et cetera. Uh, he's a good uh, stock picker. You know, he likes to research and that sort of thing. So he handles, you know, the individual stocks that they have. But so not because it's gender-based. Ba- it's because it's skill-based. Correct. Exactly. And I mean, you know, listen, having money can be enjoyable, certainly. You know, but you, you, you want to enjoy it with your spouse. And certainly enjoying it with your spouse is heightened by the fact that each uh, of the partners is, is really doing the job that they're best at. And, you know, before you, are a, before you are a couple, at least legally speaking, you want to be sure that both of you is on the same page uh, in that respect for sure. Yeah. So what happens like, OK, so let's just create a, a scenario here. Um and neither of us are attorneys, nor do we play them on TV, but we do have an inkling of what happens. <laughs> so let's say, for example, you and I were in love and we want to get married. And I haven't told you about the $40,000 worth of student loans that I incurred long before your watch. So what happens if I have credit card debt, I'm a little spendy, you're the little savvy, and uh, we get married. What happens to all of that debt that I have? Am I, are, are you now well, responsible uh, for it? Or, I mean, yeah, in, in the team exactly. effort sense, I guess you are. But what happens? Sure. Well, I mean, the studies are showing now that it's, it's uh, 76% 
of all Americans admit that that uh, what you just said, you know, having uh, one of them with higher debt uh, or or coming into a marriage with uh, you know a lot of revolving debt is the number one source of stress in their lives. So if you do get married and that debt, uh, you know, comes into play, um, and again, neither of us are an attorney, so we're giving you our opinion, uh, but, you know, marriage is a contract, and if you marry someone with high debts, for example, and they, you know, pass away or they uh, decide that they don't want to pay them, well, guess what? You get called. Uh, you get called and you have to become liable for that repayment. Uh, I can tell you on a, on a personal note, uh, our big one, uh, about two years into my marriage, um, they offered a big uh, debt consolidation for your your, your college loans. And my wife and I both had college loans. And they said, well, you know, you can do this consolidation because you and your wife are paying separately. And I'll never forget this phone call. This this kid that they got on the phone, he, you know, he does the research and he goes, well, Mr. Dukes, um, I can do this for you, but I just want to be sure we're clear. And I said, okay. He goes, well, uh, I said, why? That's an odd question. And <laughs> then he says to me, he goes, he goes, do you, do you, do you love your wife? <laughs> and I said, wow, this just went somewhere odd. I said, uh, I, I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to ask why you're asking me that. He said, well, he goes, I just brought up what you owe. You have about $1,000 that you owe uh, on your balance of your loan. Uh, and I just brought up your wife's loan, and she has a $44,000 oh. balance on her loan. <laughs> How much do you and by combining, <laughs> Yes, and combine, let me know. By combining these two, Mr. Dukes, uh, you will now be uh, liable for the entire 45000 So I want to ask you, sir, is this... And, you know, for this, this kid on the phone to say, I just want to make sure you love your wife was a sort of a poignant uh, statement on the day. And uh, and we did. We did end up uh, combining it, and we, we, we paid it off in big chunks, thank God. But uh, What a good was, man you uh, are. You really did moments. love her. <laughs> you know, we're uh, 16 years later, we're still, uh, still rolling along. High five on that one. That's awesome. What a great story. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, co- commingling of debt is, um, that's a commitment in and of itself. Forget the marriage contract. You could do a whole show on that. I know, we could. <laughs> right. Well, it's, you know, and then you got to talk about it. The biggest one I've had besides the debt is, you know, just the monies. You know, you, you mentioned a second ago about, hey, if we're going to get together, what about debt? Well, how about the people that are, and this is sort of another big one, uh, the people that have just been used to taking care of their own finances for so long, and then, you know, suddenly we, you know, we're going to get together. Does that mean we have to have a joint account? You know, do we have to suddenly, you know, close our own? And, you know, it really depends on personalities. I can tell you a lot of my clients still have separate accounts. You know, mom still has her own account. Dad still has his own account where, you know, they, they know what they're they're putting in there. They know what they're taking out. And, you know, you can still see it online and you can still see it, you know, with all your other accounts together. But uh, I've got, uh, I would say, easily 50% of my clients that, yeah, they will have a joint account for maybe some bills and things. But ultimately, they keep individual accounts just so they can, you know, track their own money. Well, and, and I, you know, being a repeat marriage partner, because <laughs> one was not enough, <laughs> that uh, I believe that uh, yours, mine, and ours isn't a bad thing. Yeah. You know, I think that that's okay. Because what happens, you know, you know, especially, and I know, and I noticed this in relationships where one person has more money than the other person, and it becomes a what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine situation. Yeah. <laughs> And that can't be good for either party. And so I think that that gives a level of satisfaction that, yes, we're participating in things together, but you still are your own person and I'm still my own person. We do come together. And I think that that's healthier 
you know, especially if, if folks, because we're marrying so much later, you know, with life expectancies, pushing the envelope, I think that we're experiencing life on our own and becoming our own people. And when we become our own people and we've done things the same way for so many years, it's a behavior that's difficult to overcome. Like you were talking about earlier when it, with regard to the whole saving and hoarding kind of thing mentality from the, the boomer generation. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, uh, you know, I can tell you, uh, my wife and I, uh, both have, you know, separate accounts. I've got my own little pocket change account and she's got a separate account you know, just in her name. And you know, we've got a, a joint account as well. And, you know, it's what, it's what works for us. You know, the joint account, I have to check and see what things have cleared. And that's what we use for sort of bills and things. And then I have spending account for my business, you know, et cetera. And she's got one that she uses for the kids. Um, and, and ultimately it works you know, for us and what we're doing, because she knows the balance, she knows the balances in her account, and I know the balances in my account, and, and uh, you know, I never have to worry about making that, that phone call or that text, <laughs> when I say, um, yeah, I'm $300 overdrawn. How does that happen? <laughs> no. Is there a transaction I'm missing and not accounting for? Yeah, that's not a good phone call. Well, if folks want to learn how to manage their money more effectively and seek out your wisdom and advice, where can folks find you, Christopher? Yes, uh, they can go online. Uh, The website is www.dukesfinancial, all one word, D-U-K-E-S, financial.com. Uh, you'll see our lovely uh, photo on there of the staff, and then you'll get to see the uh, the uh, seminar schedule uh, for the rest of 2016. Uh, we are licensed in many states across the country, so you don't actually have to live uh, here in California. If you're wherever you live, we can certainly certainly help you. We always do complimentary consultations, so uh, when you call us, uh, we don't charge for those services. And uh, if we can help you, we'll certainly try. Outstanding. Well, thanks again for stopping by Unlock Your Wealth Radio and spreading your wisdom. And for those of you who are driving around, without a pencil never fear unlockyourwealthradio.com is here where you can visit christopher's show page get the links to his website phone numbers and so much more and i would encourage you to take his seminars he's an amazing person and let him know that unlock your wealth radio sent you now thanks so much for stopping by and for the maestro of moolah michael terry i'm heather wagonhalls now go out and unlock your wealth today unlockyourwealthradio.com is produced by heather wagonhalls and the unlock your wealth foundation UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2016 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.UnlockYourWealth.com. Work all day, stress all night, take your mind off your money and focus on your life. Money don't matter for the stuff it's the way you